So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I invite you to turn with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. We're going to take a short break today from our study in 2 Corinthians. And, and we'll be back soon for that, but, but we're going to take a break today. Um, today is a big day in the life of our church. And, and while it's, it's super weird for me to talk about because I'm in the center of it, it's nonetheless a true statement. And, and I think, you know, we're probably all aware, and, and, and certainly as Jeff indicated in the video, um, the, the plan wasn't for me to be up here today. The, the plan was obviously for it to be Jeff, but obviously the Lord had something different for us. And so we're going to trust him in that. And we may not understand all of it. And we may not understand all the reasons why, but, what, but I, I want to try to encourage you this morning and encourage you and how we should trust him anyway. And that's why I decided, I just felt led this week to take a, a pause from our study in 2 Corinthians. Because we have this important day today. And yet it's coming in the midst of some seemingly rough waters that we've been navigating lately. I mean, just in the last two months, for example, we had the funeral of a former beloved pastor and a very serious health scare of our current pastor, actually two very serious health scares in back-to-back weeks. And that's not even considering how, you know, we're in month 14 of this global pandemic. And, and then all the personal issues that, that we all have been dealing with. It seems like we've had more funerals over the past few months than, than any time since I've been here, including some very cherished longtime members of this church. I mean, Charlie Huggins' funerals next Sunday. And those things provide some rough waters and some big waves and the potential for some confusion, especially during the time of a transition, especially in the midst of, of, of a big change that we're going through now. And maybe it's just me because I've, I've been on the inside of all of it, uh, but it just seems like we're kind of getting hit with wave after wave. And when that happens, it can be a little overwhelming. Uh, when, when I was a senior in, in high school, we, we had our, our church camp, youth camp. It was a great time. But I'm going to give you a warning about a wave pool. Um, we went to a, a water park. And, you know, one of the things they have, the wave pools. And me and a couple buddies, we decided, you know, we were just going to go out and ride the waves out into the wave pool. And, and, you know, we get into the deep end, it's over, it's over my head, and I get, somehow I just get off. Like, every time I'm, you know, you're kind of riding these waves up and down. Well, every time I'm coming up, a wave is just smacking me straight in the face. And I'm going down in the water, and, and I, you know, I'm, I'm drowning. Like, I'm in, I'm in some trouble. Now, luckily, it was super crowded wave pool. And there's a lady just, you know, enjoying her time laying out on her, her float, her, you know, water mat, whatever, whatever it is, and just riding these waves, and I just jump across her legs <laughs> and grab that thing, and I just looked at her and said, I'm sorry, I was drowning. <laughs> and, you know, finally I make, and she just, she didn't say anything. She didn't love it, but she didn't say anything. I could, I could sense, um, you know, her dissatisfaction with the situation, but but I made it to the side. But, you know, sometimes when you're just being hit and you're like, man, you get disoriented and, and, and you're not sure what's going on. And if you happen to be feeling like that this morning, I, I want to help you out. 
I want to use the Word of God to calm you and encourage you out of a very simple, very popular passage of Scripture. And like I said, we're going to try to move through this. I, I have a whole sermon, but I'm going to try to move through it quickly um, so we can get on, on to the vote and, and all that sort of stuff today. Uh, but we do need to hear from the Lord because, because, listen, today's topic, whether you've felt that way lately or not, it is something we all deal with. None of us are immune from getting caught up in the waves of this life. So, so let me ask you a question as we get going here. How often do you feel swept away? By some circumstance. And how often does life seem to be spinning out of control? And then in the process, it, it steals your peace with it. And if we're honest, I, I think most of us in here would admit that, that we like to have control. Now, we're, you know, we're not always honest about that. But if we were being honest, I think that's a true statement. And, and I, I'm the same way. I like having control. But the fact of the matter is... When it comes to, to many of, of the most important things in life, there's actually much we do not have control over, whether we like that or not, whether we want that or not. We can't control the loss of a loved one. We can't control having a genetic blood disorder that causes serious complications after a surgery. We can't control the devil's work through the governments of this world. And as you know, sad as this next statement is, we can't control getting old and feeling old. And there are many things that we can't control, but what we can control is our response to those situations. We can control our emotions and our thoughts and our decisions in the midst of the uncontrollable. That's what, what 2 Corinthians chapter 10 is, has, has actually already taught us, of having that right mind. So that we can face those tough situations of life. And I, I want to see a little bit more of that uh, this morning. And, and in the process, we're going to see how to calm the waves. Or, or maybe better said, how to have calm in the midst of the waves. Uh, Manly Beasley, maybe some of you have heard of him. I don't know if he ever came through here. He was a, an evangelist. He's, he's gone on to be with the Lord many, many years ago. But he used to come through Kansas City Baptist Temple uh, way back in the day. Now, he had a saying um, that I never forgot. He would say, Satan can have the circumference as long as God has the center. And that's a good word. That's a good word right there. Because theme, things can seemingly be spinning out of control around you. But if God has you, then you can still be okay. It's like Psalm 55, 18 says, He hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. And there were many with me. There's always a battle raging. Again, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 has taught us that. But that does not mean that we cannot have victory. We can. We can have victory in the midst of all of it. God can and will calm your waves and give you peace in chaos, but you will only experience it personally if you follow the process we're going to lay out this morning. That calm and that peace is available, but it's not automatic. So as we're dealing with everything that we're dealing with right now, I want us to all be on the same page with respect to how we should view things biblically, with the right mind. So let's get into our passage uh, that we're studying this morning and, and see what the Holy Spirit has to teach us. Mark chapter 4, starting at verse 35. The Bible says, In the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. 
And when he had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the, in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we come to you today and, and uh, we admit to you that, that we've been navigating some rough waters lately. So Lord, I pray that you show us out of your word this morning your, your prescription, your process for calming those waves in our life. And Lord, I pray that, that your Holy Spirit will do the work that only he can do to teach us your word. I pray that you move me aside and that your spirit has free reign in this room today. And I pray that, that you work on each one of us exactly uh, where we need it. Lord, only you know that. Lord, I pray that everything that is said is true to your word. I pray that it is glorifying and honoring to you. And Lord, I pray that, that as a church, uh, you will be glorified in us today. Uh, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what we see in, in this passage is a promise complicated by a problem, resulting in a petition, responded to by a provision, which leads us to a perspective. Now those aren't my points. They could have been if I wanted to, but that would have taken way too long, so I've condensed it down. But before we get into all of it, let me set the context for you. So Jesus' public ministry was in full effect by this time. Mark is kind of a condensed uh, gospel. And it was in full effect by the time we get to Mark chapter 4. He was out, he was performing miracles. Great multitudes were following him. And, and when we get to Mark chapter 4, he, this is when he begins teaching them through parables. And his following was quite large at this time. And so he's speaking and you know, they're pressing up against him. He's up against the Sea of Galilee. And so he goes out into a boat to teach them, because the crowd had kind of pushed him to that point. And so they're all on the shore listening, and, and he's in the, out in the boat speaking to them. And it was right after this that we get to, to verse 35. In fact, it was the same day. That's what we read. It was the end of the day in the evening. And so he finishes speaking, and they disperse the crowd, and he decides that he wants to go over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And at this point, he's with his disciples, and, and evidently there are some other followers with him, because we, we read in verse 36 that there are a few ships along the way, the, he, the main one with Jesus and his disciples, and then it says other little ships. And then the storm kicks up when they're in the midst of this, this route, in the midst of this journey, and that's when all the cool stuff happens. And this is a popular passage. Many of you, if you've been around church long, you, you've heard this passage. It's a great story about... Just one of the many miracles of, of Jesus. But what we need to see together this morning is Jesus' response and the disciples' reaction. Right? They're two different things. Because if you notice, in the midst of all the craziness, Jesus had peace. He wasn't bothered by the storm. But the disciples were a wreck. You know, what they were experiencing would not be described as calm and peace. And, and truth be told... We can probably all relate. 
But in all of it, we get the prescription for the calming of the ways and having the right mind so that God can do the work that only He can do. And here is where it starts. The first part, the first point to calming those waves and settling your soul in the midst of chaos is you need to focus on His words. Focus on His words. And this is where we start because this is where we always have to start. You see, if, if you want peace, let me give you a pro tip. Look to the Bible. But, but here is what I want you to see with this point. We talk all the time around here, and we'll continue to, about the Word of God. But today, I want you to ponder the words, plural, the words of God. And I want you to see exactly what Jesus said to them. And specifically, I want you to look at, at what he said in verse 35. In the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. You see, what Jesus said was, We're going to the other side of the sea. But apparently, the disciples missed what he said. He didn't say, Let's leave. He didn't say, Let's take a little boat ride. He said, Let us pass over to the other side. So in that statement, Jesus gives them a promise that they're going to make it. But they missed the promise because they weren't focused on his words. And, and let me say to this point, one of the great dangers for you this morning is to hear the word of God and not listen to it. You are here today under the sound of, of this of, of this interaction between Jesus and his disciples through Mark. But are you really listening to what is being said? And then beyond that, and, and this goes back to where we were last week, do you consistently put yourself in a position to hear what God is saying to you? Do you spend time in the Bible yourself? Do you hear what is being said on Sundays? Do you come on Wednesdays? But not only do you hear, do you listen? Because listening is more than hearing. Listening implies trust, right? You know that. If you're a parent, you know that listening is more than hearing. How many times do you say to your kid, no, like, are you listening to me? I know you're two feet from me. I know you can hear what I'm saying. But are you listening to me? That's a, there's a difference there. And we need to listen. Listening implies trust. It's, it's taking what the Word of God says and believes it. And where there are times of chaos and confusion, those are the times to focus on His words the most. Because those words form into promises. And those promises are something you can stand on to rise above the storms. I mean, listen, standing on the promises, I'm telling you. I'm liable to bust out in song in it, any given week. Like, I just want to so bad right now. No, there's no time. I'm not going to. I'm not going to do it. But those promises are something you can stand on. And they will hold you up when you feel like you're falling. And where are they found? In His words. You know, when we were... Over three years ago, four years ago, when we were in the process of deciding whether we were going to move out here, 
you know, this is something I had a process that I, that I went through, and I won't take the time to go, go through it with you, but one of the things was um, it, it being okay with my family. And, and so there were some things we did, you know, with respect to, to making sure that was okay. And, and there was one night um, when we were kind of praying about it and making that decision that, that God was dealing with Jennifer. And um, I was asleep, and, and, and she was hearing from the Lord. And she sent me a text um, that night just to tell me that it would be okay. And, um, and she was standing on some promises that God gave her that night. And here's what they were. It was 1 Corinthians 14.33, said, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the church of the saints. And it was also Isaiah 26.3. It says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, but he trusteth in thee. And it was Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. It said, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. And those were some verses and some promises that God gave her at that time. And she sent them to me to let me know that she was okay. And that our kids were okay. And that God had given her peace. And those last two verses in particular are promises to count on. But you have to know that they're conditional. You can have perfect peace. But your mind has to be stayed on him. You can't let it wander. And the peace of God will keep your hearts and minds, but only if you don't worry. If you give what you are worrying over to the Lord in prayer. You see, we have precious, precious promises. Promises from Lord God Almighty in this book. And they are meant to sustain us. But they only will if we hear them. And listen to them. Listen, there's nothing like this book. There is nothing like this book. And there's nothing like the promises of God. You know, there's a few. I have a, a, a few that I have marked in, in my Bible. And let me give you some of them. One is Psalm 9, verses 9 and 10. It says, The Lord will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in time of trouble. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. Psalm 23, 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Psalm 34, 17 says, The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. Psalm 55, 22 says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And we could go on and on with verse after verse like these for the rest of our time this morning. I mean, what promises we have from God. And according to 1 Kings 8.56, he's pretty good with the promises he makes. That verse says, Blessed be the Lord that hath given rest unto his people Israel, according to all that he promised. There hath, not, there hath not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised by the hand of Moses his servant. There hath not failed one word. And listen, if he kept all his promise, promises to the rebellious, idolatrous, cheating nation of Israel, don't you think he'll keep his promises to you? He always will. 
But you have to do your part. This isn't no name it and claim it, bag it and tag it type of agreement. No, many of God's promises have conditions. And you can only claim them if you hold up your end of the deal. Naming it isn't enough. Some action is required. But he will not fail on his end. You can count on it every single time. But here's the thing, and it always goes back to this. Do you know what those promises are? Are you spending time in the Word so that you can focus on His words? If you're not, you should start. If you are, keep at it. Keep doing it. Don't stop. And along these lines, let me give you a practical tip to help you in some of the hard times. You know, we talk a lot about keeping a prayer journal, and that's a great thing. Here's another tip. Keep a promise journal. As you're going through the Word of God, Keep track of the promises that we have from God, that he's got given specifically to us. And then if there's a condition attached to them, you know, make two columns. Keep track of the promise and then keep track of the conditions that you have to do in order for God to fulfill it. And then you can begin putting them into categories. And when you come up against a particular wave, you can look up those promises that God has showed you. And then you'll know what to do. You'll know what's, up, 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 what's on you to do. And God will keep what he said. So focus on his words. Get in the book and find out all that he has for you. Do you know what God says about your situation? And then even deeper, do you believe him? Do you hear and do you listen? So if you want the calm in the waves of the storm, start there. But then second... Our second point is you need to forget about the waves. And now stay with me on this. Let me explain it to you because I, I get it. I, I realize that that's easier said than done. But I, wanted, I want to explain to you what I mean here when I say forget the waves by, by starting out with telling you what I, what I don't mean. Because I'm not saying you should ignore your problems. That's not what I'm saying. No, if there's something you can do to solve a problem, you should do it, whether that's a physical problem, a spiritual problem. Um, like we talked about last week, we're in a spiritual war, and we have some commands that, that we are to fight, we're to stand, and, and we can't ignore that and forget about that. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about, and, and this goes back to our introduction, is when we are in a situation that we can't control, that we have no control over, when we're in those times... There's no value in focusing time and energy into something that you can't do anything about anyway. What you can do in those situations is pray. And, and that's where you should spend your time and energy. Listen, the disciples couldn't control those waves. They couldn't stop that storm. Now, now luckily, they were with someone who could. But again, this is about focus. This is tying off of our first point. And in those times, you have to just go back to that first point and focus on his words. There's a story in Acts 27, and we don't have time to go there, but it's when Paul's in prison, and they're, they're taking him back to Rome, and, and he's on the, the ship, and they face all these different winds. And in, in, verse 20, in verse 15 of Acts 27, they talk about this tempestuous wind they called Eurocladon. There's nothing they could do. And, and it says in there, we just let her, we let her drive. And, and that's all you can do. Sometimes... You just got to ride the wave. 
And you just got to write it in prayer because there's nothing else you can do. But if you focus on that, if that's all you focus on is the wave, that wave will defeat you. And you'll never get peace if that's all you see is the waves. You win the battle in the mind by focusing where you need to focus. Let's look at it. Verse 36. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind and waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he saith unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? So we have this promise that they're going over to the other side. Now opposed by a problem. The problem is this storm. And they had heard Christ's words about going to the other side. But their experience was now contradicting what was said. And, and look at how they responded. It was the opposite of how Jesus was responding to the same situation, by the way. And, and maybe Jesus was so exhausted that nothing could wake him. And, and listen, that, that there's actually something really cool in that. that his, the, the fact that we see him sleeping in the midst of that situation, it's actually a great picture of his humanity. Um, but I'm not sure that that's all it was. But when it get, we get to this point, I just have to wonder if what happened to Jesus' disciples has ever happened to anyone in here. Where you believe that you're in the midst of God's will. Right? These guys were following Jesus. They were right along with him. And you believe you're in God's will. You think you're following his instruction. You're claiming his promise. And yet everything goes crazy anyway. And watch this, because not only does your life start spinning out of control, but it seems that God has fallen asleep on you. It's what the disciples think. But instead of forgetting about the waves and, and focusing on his words, his promise, they instead raise a question that displayed their lack of real faith. The end of verse 38, And they awake him and say unto him, Master, Carest thou not that we perish? So the storm didn't wake him. The waves pounding on the ship didn't wake him. The, the drenching rain didn't wake him. It was his disciples that did. They're the ones that woke him up. And they raised a question, and you need to pay attention here. And this was the question Jesus, don't you care? God, how could you let this happen? You see, they didn't ask him to calm the storm in faith. Based on a promise that they had already received from him. When, with what they asked was, God, why don't you care about us? And you need to understand this because remember our point is forget about the waves. and It's, it's forgetting about those waves because those waves are a distraction. The waves are just Satan's way of getting you off track and making you forget about what is real. Because the great danger for you 
when the waves are, are, are pounding around you and when the waves are high, is to let your circumstances and your experience control your theology. You see, they raised a question about the love of Christ based upon the pain they were suffering for following Christ. But, but how often do we do the same thing? You reason God must not care. Because if he cared, it wouldn't be raining like this. If he cared, things wouldn't be falling apart like this. If he cared, I wouldn't be sick right now. If he cared, my marriage wouldn't be sinking. If he cared, my children wouldn't be as crazy as they are. If he cared, my life wouldn't be in such turmoil. So do you see what they did? They took their eyes off of what Jesus said in verse 35, and they began to look at what Satan was doing. And many times, the problems of life appeared to negate the promises of God. And Jesus had just finished teaching them about this. Just a few verses earlier, look up in Mark chapter 4, verse 16, when he given them the parable of the sower. And he says, these are they likewise, which are sown on stony ground, who when they had heard the word, immediately received it with gladness, and have no root in themselves. And so endure for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. He had just taught that 20 verses earlier. And the disciples had just heard it. And the very next time, after hearing that that parable, the very next time they faced affliction and persecution, they were offended. They forgot all about John 16, 33 that says, These things that I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Many times what you are going through in life makes it seem like God does not care for you. But know that the trials of life come on the just and the unjust alike. And I know many times those trials cause us to raise the same type of question as the apostles. But we have to be careful with that. Because if our th theology is controlled by our circumstances, we will determine what we believe based on what we're going through. And unless you determine what you believe while the sun is shining and you give some consecration to that, you won't know what to believe when it starts raining. You see, unless you decide who Jesus Christ is today, before your worst fears are realized, you may not know who he is when tribulation finds you. But here's the truth about who he is according to the word of God. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today, and forever. But unless you know who Jesus was yesterday when it was a good day, you may forget who he is tomorrow when it's a bad day. The Bible says there's an evil day coming for all of us. And when it comes, we are to stand, not to fall. That's Ephesians 6.13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand. And of course, it requires our armor. We can't stand without it. But that armor requires focusing on the things of the Lord and not the things of the world. And we put it in focus 
We put the Word of God and the words of God in focus instead of the waves. That's Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And listen, I'm not trying to minimize pain and suffering. It's very real. And bad things happen all the time. Or just things that, that we don't agree with, that we don't like, that we don't understand. But here's what I know. Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. And I, and I know this is overdone, but I have to say it anyway. That verse says all things. I'm not even going to ask you what all means. You know what it means. What I want to ask you is, do you believe that or not? So when the wave hits, do you believe it's going to work for your good? Now, Romans 8.28 is another conditional promise. You have to love him, which you show by spending time with him. But if you do, God can do something good with the wave if you just keep focusing on him. And I know that there are some things that happen, some things that we will never fully understand while we're on this earth. But that's where we need faith. That's where we have to believe everything else God has shown us to be true so that we can trust even when we don't understand. Because we will understand one day. And sometimes that has to be enough. Because at the end of the day, the storm will always end. Even if it takes until eternity. But it's going to end one way or the other. That's verse 39. And he arose and rebuked the wind. And said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Now when, when Jesus was sleeping, we got to see his humanity. In verse 39, we get to see his deity. Amen. This verse, Mark 4, 39, is the fulfillment of, of Psalm 93, verse 4. It says, the Lord, is hot, the Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, yea, than the mighty waves of the sea. It's also a fulfillment of Psalm 107, verse 29. It says, He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. That's who He is. He's Creator God. That's who we serve. Amen. Now let's go back to Mark 4 and look at verse 40, because I want you to see Jesus' response to them for not forgetting about the waves. Mark 4, verse 40. And He said unto them, Wimps, why are you such sissies? Sissies. Why don't you trust me? Or, or maybe it was just, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? If I killed you, wouldn't you yet trust me? Job said he did. Why do you get scared when the boat fills up? And he was saying to them, before we ever left shore, I said, let us pass over into the other side. You heard it, but you didn't listen to it. And when the winds kicked up and the waves started crashing, that's all you thought about. You didn't think about my words. And, and listen, we do. I'm, I'm just as guilty as any of you. And we do it when we get scared. But here's the thing that you have to understand about fright and about worry. And you need to hear this next statement. It's on your outline sheet. You're not scared because you are afraid of a scary situation. 
you're scared because you do not trust God's hand over your life. And that might hurt a little bit, but it's like medicine. It's good for you. We're not scared because we're afraid of a scary situation. We're scared because we do not trust God's hand over our lives. And we react to the situation instead of responding to God's promises. We let the circumstance of our experience cause us to doubt what he said. And that's unbelief. That's what Jesus called it. Let me show you what the Bible says about unbelief, Hebrews 3.12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. The Bible says that unbelief comes from an evil heart. And we learned last week that our heart is corrupted when our mind isn't continually renewed. So renew your mind so that you can trust him in those hard times. Listen, Jesus didn't say that that there weren't going to be circumstantial inconveniences on the way to the other side. He didn't promise a smooth ride. But he did say that we'd get there. And listen, it happens to the best of us. These were his disciples. I mean, they were all baptized by John the Baptist or by Jesus himself even. But they let their circumstances cause them to forget God's promises. And do you know what was wrong with their prayer? And I hinted at this earlier, but, but this is important to understand. What was wrong with their, their prayer when they woke him up was they did not wake Christ up and then plead his promises. They took it personal, like they were the only boat in the sea. And they, they thought that Jesus didn't care for them. And so their experience neg- actually negated a promise of God. What they should have done was pleaded his promises. If they couldn't sleep, they should have at least prayed his promises. We can always do that. You see, he didn't complain about being awakened. But he rebuked their lack of faith in his word. And that's us too. But It was our last point, but let me say it again. We cannot plead something we do not know. You can't fall back on a promise you've never heard. You have to listen to what he says. Man, we're going to the other side. And then you have to remember that he said it when you're in the midst of the trial. And you have to be able to forget about the waves even when they're blowing the hardest, even when they're hitting the hardest. And you have to be taken back to his truth. Otherwise, you'll give in to the circumstances. And Because Jesus didn't. I mean, Jesus was calm. He was asleep in the midst of it. And why was that? Why was he asleep in the midst of this crazy storm? He knew they were going to the other side. He knew the storm wasn't going to kill them. Jesus was able to forget about the waves because he knew that no matter how hard they hit the boat, his promise was still true. And that's something we need to learn. It's so easy to get caught up by the winds and the waves that we really forget that God loves us and that his promises are true. So focus on his words, forget about the waves, and then last, fear only his ways. Place your fear in the right spot. This is verse 41. And they feared exceedingly. You see, before they were afraid of drowning in the storm. Now they're fearing Jesus. And our problem, like those disciples, is we get scared of the wrong thing. We tremble at the wave instead of the wave breaker. And we get scared of circumstances, and God says, you're scared of the wrong thing. You should be scared of me. 
And understand what I mean by that. We don't have to be scared that he's waiting to get us because he's not. But we should fear him. We should respect him for who he is. The thing that ought to grab your emotions the most is him. So they thought they were afraid of the storm. But it turns out they were really afraid of Jesus. Look at verse, the end of verse 41. And said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who in the world is this? And listen, he, he had already been performing miracles. They had seen it. But they say, who in the world is this? Man, Captain America? No. Is it Superman? Yeah, but no. Master of the universe? Yeah, that's it. Definitely. And too many times we don't know who Jesus is either. I mean, we know who he is. We just don't believe he can do what he says he'll do. And we don't fear him. Because if we did, we would make wiser choices. Because fear of the Lord leads to wisdom. That's what the Bible tells us. Psalm 11, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments, his praise endureth forever. Proverbs 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Listen, you need to understand who to fear. And then start acting and living accordingly. Look at your life. Look at your decisions. Look at your reaction to the storm. Do they show that you fear the Lord or that you fear the wave? That's why you have to keep your focus on Him. When things get crazy and circumstances go haywire, do not lose sight of His promises. And don't lose sight of who you really should be fearing. Because you have to understand that most of the time, your biggest problems your biggest hurdles are in you. They are not around you. So let's focus on the right spot and fear the right things. You know, I'm not much of a carpenter. But if you, if you, if you don't want to hit your thumb with the hammer, you keep your eye on the nail, right? For those carpenters that are out there, that's a true statement, right? I've, I've heard that that's true. The moment you take your eye off the nail and you start focusing on what's holding the nail... Well, then what's holding the nail is in trouble. Don't take your eyes off Jesus to focus on your own ability or your own will. If you do that, you're going to hurt your spiritual thumbs. You'll wind up in more pain than even the circumstance was giving you. You know, a farmer was teaching his son how to plow a field. And he said, son, in order to plow a straight furrow, don't look where you're plowing. Don't look back to where you're plowing. Look at where you're going. You know, find something on the other side and fixate on it. And then you'll walk that straight line. And that's what we need to do with Jesus. That's what you need to do with Jesus. So don't put your eyes on me. I move too much. And just to be fair, I can't put my eyes on you. You move too much too. I can't count on you. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God does not move. His purposes do not move. Call him until he gets up. Plead in faith, not in frustration. You do not have to deny the circumstances. That's not, when we said forget the waves, we're not talking about denying the circumstances. The circumstances are real. Certainly acknowledge them, but just don't give in to them. Live your life trusting him, and when you go to him, plead his promises back to him. 
2 Corinthians 4, verses 17 and 18 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That's where we need to focus. And that is hope. That is hope that we need. And I offer you that hope this morning. I want to offer you hope to make your troubles and and even some of the chaos we've all been experiencing together. I want you to help you to make that the tool that God uses to take you to the next level. You need to see a side of Jesus you'll never see without those waves. You know, a, a kite, it flies higher and higher because it has opposition from the wind. If there's no wind, the kite won't fly. And God wants you to soar like that kite. And so do I. But that means the wind's going to blow. And it will be in everybody's face sometimes. And maybe your boat will get filled when those waves get high. But when that happens, let's wake the master together. But let's not wake him in unbelief. Let's lean on each other and help each other focus on his words. So that we can forget about and not be distracted by the waves. And we can put our fear in the right spot. And we can fear him. And if, if you see fit to make me your next pastor in a few minutes, I can't wait to do it with you. Let's pray.